Welcome to this podcast from Central, Jesus at the Heart. More information is available from www.jesusattheheart.org. I'd love it if you turn your Bibles to uh, Paul's letter to the Galatians and uh, and chapter uh, 1. And we're going to continue in a series that we've called uh, uh, No Longer Slaves and uh, a series that's all about freedom because actually that's what the, the, um, uh, the book, the letter is all about. It's about freedom. Uh, Paul is, as you know, he's writing to a group of churches, not just one church, in the region called Galatia and he's writing to a bunch of people that he knows. He knows them because he's been there. And he went there and he started to plant churches. He started to tell people about Jesus and people got excited about Jesus and put their trust in Jesus and he left them with a church, a community of believers. And, and then he writes this letter to them. He writes this letter uh, and it's his most um, passionate, um, aggressive at times, uh, visceral kind of uh, uh, um, communication in, in a letter. It's not like Romans. Romans is kind of his measured theological response to life. You know, this is, I've, I've weighed this stuff through, think this stuff through, this is, this is what I believe. Galatians is, this is my gut-wrenching response to some significant problems that are going on in the church, and it's all about freedom. It's interesting, isn't it? Because, um, because freedom is kind of number one agenda of our generation. I say our generation loosely. Uh, it's, it's, it's kind of number one agenda, isn't it? In, in uh, Murrayfield, we sing about freedom. Holyrood, we talk about freedom. Central, we pray about freedom. Everyone wants freedom. You know, our kids want freedom. As we get older, we want freedom. We want freedom to be able to make our own choices. We want freedom to be able to decide things for ourselves. We want freedom that nobody else oppresses us. We all want to be free to do what we think we ought to do whenever we think we ought to be able to do it. And Paul is passionate about freedom. And he writes this letter. And he writes this letter against the context of a bunch of people who are doing something to the freedom of the churches in Galatia. Paul calls them the Judaizers. And basically what had happened is some guys had come down from Jerusalem and they started to talk to these new believers in Galatia. And the new believers in Galatia had just come to know Christ and they're excited about knowing Jesus and all the freedom that brings. And, and, and then these Judaizers have come in and they said, well, it's great that you know Christ. <clears throat> And it's fantastic that you have a relationship with God. But if you really want a proper relationship with God, you need to add to all the Christian stuff, all the Jewish stuff as well. So you need to look more like Moses than Moses. You need to get the circumcision thing done. You need to obey the Old Testament law and you need to obey all the Old Testament traditions and you need to get it right. And if you get it right, then you will really be a true follower. And Paul is totally hacked off with them. Hacked off is, the, is the, the, the mildest word I could possibly use. I mean, he uses some really aggressive language. He says, are you being serious? Are you being serious? Are you seriously trying to take the life-giving, life-freeing message of Jesus Christ and make it all about rules and regulations? Is that what you're trying to do? Are you trying to take the message of Jesus Christ, which is grace and freedom and life, and are you trying to shackle it to age-old traditions that were supposed to help people know God, but never really did? It was for freedom that Christ has set us free. If the way in is grace, then the way on is grace. 
If the only way you come to know God is a free gift of God, if it's, if it's grace because God loves you, because he loves you, because he loves you, then, then the transformation that God is wanting to do is of grace as well. It doesn't start with grace and, and, and then continue with law, because then that's not the gospel, says Paul. It's all of grace, the way in, the way on. It's all about grace. It's about freedom. So let's just, let's just read on from where we got to last time. This is verse six of Galatians chapter one. Paul says, you know, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you by the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But listen, even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let him be eternally condemned. See what I mean by slightly hacked off. Let him be eternally condemned. As we've already said, so now I say it again. If anyone is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let him be eternally condemned. I'm saying it twice just in case you missed the point. Am I now trying to win the approval of men or of God? Or am I trying to please men? If I'm still trying to please men, I wouldn't be a servant of Christ. I want you to know, brothers, that the gospel I preached is not something that man made up. I didn't receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my previous way of life in Judaism, how intensely I persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it. I was advancing in Judaism beyond many Jews of my own age and was extremely jealous for the, zealous for the traditions of my fathers. But when God, who set me apart from birth and called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I didn't consult any man. Nor did I go up to Jerusalem to see those who were apostles before I was, but I went immediately into Arabia and later returned to Damascus. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to get acquainted with Peter and stayed with him 15 days, which is very specific. Though it isn't in the Bible, I just added that as a little humorous side note. I saw none of the other apostles, only James, the Lord's brother. I assure you before God that what I'm writing to you is no lie. Later, I went to Syria and Cilicia. I was personally unknown to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only heard the report. The man who formerly persecuted us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they praised God because of me. Let's just pray, shall we? So, um, Father, we have this audacious belief. <clears throat> we believe this is your living, active word. And we believe that because it's your living, active word, it's going to speak to our hearts. So Holy Spirit of Jesus, would you come? Thank you for your presence with us, but we ask that you would come and we, we want to appropriate your truth for our lives. So come speak, come challenge, come hone, come change us, come encourage us, come provoke us to life because of your word. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So I, I've, I found this passage of scripture really difficult. 
Uh, not because it's incredibly complex, but just because it speaks incredible challenge into my life. Uh, and I guess, therefore, to others. And it's hard because it's a passage which, in essence, is all about grace. Um, but if I'm not careful, the preach is going to sound like law. So, um, so just give me some grace with that, and we'll see where, where we get to with it. Let's, so to open your Bibles, and if you have a notebook, you might want to, to look at the notebook. I'm going to ask four questions, and the four questions I'm going to ask are basically questions that I've been asking this week, and they're questions to me, but uh, you, can, you can get to listen in to my preach to myself. Is that okay? This is my preach to myself. And so Paul is totally hacked off by this stuff, and he's got an insight into slavery and freedom that we need to understand. Um, and he's beginning to have this argument with these Judaizers in his, in his passage of scripture. And uh, they're obviously coming back to him and saying, yeah, but so you, you say that we are keeping people bound by the law, but actually you're just a people pleaser. You know that grace pleases people. You know that telling someone they can have total forgiveness and total freedom and, and God loves you because he loves you because he loves you just is a people-pleasing kind of thing. I mean, you're just living that way. It's just not true. It's just not true. And what, what the, the insight that Paul has is this. There are two ways of destroying freedom. The first way to destroy your freedom is to try to live by rule and regulation and structure and religion. Now, religion gets a really bad press. I can't think of a, a Christian-based religion that, that was set up to do anything other than to get help people know God. Religion is a good thing in that, but what starts off as a way to help us to get to know God very often within one generation becomes something that hides us from God or keeps us hidden from God. Because we begin to revere the structure and the vehicle. And the focus doesn't become the savior, it becomes the structure or, 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 or the situation or the, or the religion. And we very clearly become the phenomenon following the phenomenon that once followed Jesus. So we, we, we want to have all the form of life and all the life, but we end up with just all the form of life. Religion just keeps you bound but Paul wants to say something else as well. There is a second way that keeps you bound, that, that sucks freedom from you, and that is trying to live with no rule and no form and no structure at all. And Paul wants to say, no, you misunderstand this. Freedom is not the absence of rule. Freedom is not the absence of anything bad in religion. Freedom is the person of Jesus. Free, freedom isn't you can do whatever you want any old time. Freedom isn't you have to do life according to these rules and regulations. Freedom is the person of Jesus because grace is the person of Jesus. Life is the person of Jesus. Humanity is the person of Jesus. He is total and true freedom. See, so you can grieve grace by saying, I need freedom and I can achieve freedom by working really hard. But you can also grieve grace by saying, I don't need grace. I have my own grace. Paul says, freedom is Jesus. How, how do I explain this? When I was um, young, <coughs> girl, I, uh, I had a job during my college uh, summer holidays as a handyman, which I know most of you will not believe because I am totally useless. Uh, but it was the only job going and nobody else wanted it. And so they, they set me to building a fence around the perimeter of the college. And, um, 
And it, I, I don't know if it's still up. It almost certainly isn't still up because, you know, I had, no, I, I, I had black and blue fingers from smacking myself with hammers. And, and, and then when I finished, I, I spent about a week doing this fence. When I finished this fence, um, you could walk around it and the fence went like this. All around, I mean, it kind of stopped things getting in and coming out, but it didn't look very neat. It went like this all the way around. And, uh, and it, I didn't mean it to go like that. I made the mistake of um, every fence panel I measured up against the next fence panel. So every time I put a new fence panel in, it was like an, an inch out of straight. And there were like four or 500 fence panels in this thing. So this fence just went all over the place. And, uh, and the reality is what I should have done was measured it all up against the first panel. All up against the source. The same size, the same shape, the same line. And, and that's the problem with the way in which we try and do Christianity. We're always changing up against yesterday's mistake. We're always changing up against yesterday's extreme. We're always saying, well, they were far too charismatic, we'll become much more restrained, much more reformed. Or, or, or they were far too formal, we'll become much, much less formal, much more informal. Or they had a big play on this theology, well, well that was overcorrection, we'll overcorrect over to this kind of theology. And actually, it's not that that's bad, but, it's, but it, it ends up in slavery. We're supposed to change up against Jesus. He's freedom. It's not absence of that is freedom, it's presence of him that's freedom. And Paul says, I want to tell you my story. I want to tell you my story, not to defend the way in which I'm doing life or not to defend my position, but I want to tell you my story because the only way in which you're going to get freedom is you encounter Jesus Christ and you continue to encounter Jesus Christ and he changes life and he brings grace and he brings freedom. It's not the absence of that or the presence of this, it's the presence of him. That's the thing that's going to change everything in your life. And so as I began to think this stuff through this week, I began to question my motives in everything. As soon as you start questioning motives, you're in a bad place, I tell you. Why do I do what I do? Why do I do the job that I do? Why do I lead in the way that I lead? Why do I have the people around me? Is it because I want to please the system? Or is it because I want to please myself? Or is it a mixture of both? Is it because I've been set up to do a job and I have a duty to do this job and I'm going to please this system which ends up enslaving me and making me a slave to religion? Or, or, or is it because I'm free to do what I want any old time? I'm entitled, I can, I can be who I want to be, and I end up pleasing myself, or am I trying to please Jesus? <laughs> am I trying to please people, or am I trying to please God? And so I have four questions that I've been asking myself that I hope you might begin to ask yourself. Paul starts telling the story of his life. And uh, the first question is this, have I met Jesus? Supplementary question, am I meeting Jesus? Have I met Jesus and am I meeting Jesus? Jesus, says Paul, is my only defense and my only true gospel. Verses 11 to 12, I want you to know, brothers, that the gospel I preached is not something that, that man made up. I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. If you want grace and you want freedom, you have to meet Jesus. And if you want to continue to live in grace and freedom, you have to continue to meet Jesus. Paul says, look, 
that this, this gospel is not something that was passed on to me or an interesting idea or a whim or a clever philosophy that one day will be old news. This is Jesus, I've met him. It's totally miraculous and it's completely frightening. Because <laughs> if, you, if you've met Jesus, you'll know what I mean. It's totally miraculous and it's completely frightening. And, and I think Paul has in mind his conversion experience on the road to Damascus that you, if you check out later, you can read in Acts chapter nine. And it, it's like someone tore open the curtain that obscured God from me and dazzled me with the goodness and beauty and truth of God in Jesus. Something has happened to me. Meeting Jesus is always an experience. It'll be different for every single person. It'll, it'll have a different quality because he, because he loves you and he knows you and he knows how you handle it and he knows what you need. But it will always be an experience. You don't enter a relationship with God as Father by catching it or learning it or, or earning it or passing and examining it. You can't get Jesus through an Alpha course or a marriage course or any other course. You don't get Jesus because your parents or your grandparents prayed for you, although I hope your grandparents and parents did pray for you, and I hope if you're a grandparent or a parent, you pray for your kids, because that's instrumental in people getting Jesus. But you get Jesus, and you get grace, and you get freedom by an encounter with Jesus Christ. You meet him. He changes stuff. He comes into your life. He reveals himself to you. Have you met Jesus? You see, sons and daughters get born by meeting Jesus. Slaves just know about him and feel obligated to him and strive and drive and just about survive. But sons and daughters thrive because they met Jesus. So have you met Jesus? And you would, you would know if you have. And are you meeting Jesus? You know, the more, uh, the more and more I do this job and the more and more I do this life, I'm convinced there is one thing in life worth organizing your life around. And he is Jesus. One person, one person worth making the authority of your life and what you need is an encounter with him. And what you need are encounters with him, because if you don't have encounters with him that are dynamic and, uh, and, and regular and, and, and even daily, then what happens is we default to slavery because this world around us is driving us to fix it and to own it and to make it work and, and, and to run it and to sort it, and, 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 and this world will just want to imprison us, but our hearts are wired for grace. Are you meeting Jesus? Question number two. Guess better. You hope. Have I been transformed by Jesus? And am I being transformed by Jesus? So, so verse 12, uh, sorry, verse 13 and then verse 23. Paul says, for you have heard of my previous way of life in Judaism, how intensely I persecuted the church of God. And tried. You, you know how, what I was like. It's no secret to me and it's no secret to you and it's no secret to anybody else exactly what I was like. I used to do these dreadful things. I was going on my way to Damascus to kill Christians, to imprison Christians and to get rid of this thing called the way and then Jesus met me. But check out what's happened, verse 23. 
The man who formerly persecuted us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. If if you met Jesus and you're meeting Jesus, then transformation is going to happen in your life. When grace comes into your life, when the peace of God comes into your life, when you're at peace with God, there is something that happens in your life called transformation. Because the spiritual doctor comes in and starts to heal stuff. We've all got stuff in our lives, experiences in our lives, things that were said to us and done to us, things that we should never have experienced that the Holy Spirit of Jesus wants to begin to heal in our lives. Are you meeting Jesus? But also the, the, the spiritual surgeon wants to come into our lives. And he wants to cut out anything that is incompatible with the person and way of Jesus Christ. He's, he's gonna go, do you know what? That attitude and that way of thinking And that unforgiveness is incompatible with with grace and it's incompatible with freedom and you're never going to be the person that God created you to be unless that stuff comes out of your life. Are you being transformed? Carl, Carl, what's supposed to happen with you is you're supposed to look more like Jesus this year than you did last year. That's what's supposed to happen. And you know, so, so much freedom is lost in the lives of believers because of our inability to allow the Spirit of God to take a scalpel to our lives. And so much freedom comes when you say, God, cut me. Root out the stuff. God, heal me. I don't want to live the rest of my life and the rest of my ministry with that recurring sin, with, with that recurring insecurity with my, my, my dispensation to want to live for the approval of the church or to live for the approval of others or to live for my own comfort. I don't want to live that way because that's not the Jesus way because I've met Jesus and he's transforming me. Let me ask you a question. How are you changing? And what is changing because of Jesus? How about your money? How is the way in which you handle your money changing because of Jesus? What about your mouth? How is the way in which you speak changing because of your relationship with Jesus? What about your responses when people slag you and people damage you and people do things they should never do to you? What about your reactions? How is that changing because of your relationship with Jesus, because of the scalpel of Jesus, because of the healing of Jesus, because of the fruit of Jesus? What about the way you parent, the way you handle your friends, the way you deal with it when life sucks and kicks you in the teeth? How is that changing? That's got to be changing because of the way of Jesus, because of his grace and his mercy and his truth and his compassion and his joy in your life. Carl, how are you being transformed? Are you meeting Jesus? Are you encountering Jesus? Sorry, I told you this was hard. Third, Third question, and this is probably the hardest. What is it, Carl, what is it costing you to meet Jesus? What's it costing you to, to, to know Jesus? Now, now, hear me very carefully. Grace is totally free. There is no cost to you for your relationship with Jesus. There's cost for him. It cost him his life. But, but the moment you come into a relationship with Jesus, it begins to cost you everything. And you begin to willingly want to give it, him everything because he becomes everything. He is worth it. He is worth it. It will cost you. Freedom will cost you. Living in grace will cost you. And it, and it will cost you everything and it will be worth it. Let me ask you a question. Carl, what is, what is it costing you to know and follow Jesus? 
And this is, this is really important for this church because we don't tend to ask these kind of questions. Because we're, we're probably a bunch of grace junkies if we're, we're honest around the whole thing. You know, hey man, love God, love people, hang out with Jesus, full stop. Do what you want to do. That's probably our kind of philosophy a little, a little bit. And, and, and I'm, I guess I'm pleased that we veer that direction than another direction. But, but here's, here's the question that comes as a result. What is it costing us? I, I don't mean, that was a cool film, wasn't it? About the giving thing. I but I don't mean that. I don't mean how much you're giving into the white boxes, which subtly he pointed at right then. I don't mean how much is it costing you in, in, in a night, a week, or whatever it is you'd give to your missional community. I, that, 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 that's not what I, what I fundamentally mean. I, I'm talking about this story of Paul. Paul. Paul will tell you a story if he was standing here of being shipwrecked and imprisoned and beaten and tortured and, and eventually martyred because of Jesus. Because he's worth it. And, and even in this story here, when he, which he tells, which isn't quite that, he says, verse 17, I spent three years in the desert because of Jesus, with Jesus, hanging out on my own. It's cost him. But verse 17, I went to Damascus, where incidentally I'd first gone to kill Christians. That couldn't have been the most comfortable place to go to, but because of Jesus, that's, that's where I went. What's it costing? Verse 18, I then went to Jerusalem, where, if you remember, I had watched the death of Stephen and I held the coats, and so I'm probably not the most popular guy in Jerusalem either, but I went to Jerusalem because that was what the Spirit of God was doing with me because of Jesus. Verse 21, I went to Syria and I went to Cilicia. That was the, that was the home for Paul. That was home. That was Tars- where Tarsus was. You know, sometimes home can be just the hardest place to follow Jesus. Can't it? For two reasons. One, because... Everybody knows you. Everybody knows where you came from and what you did, and you know, no, one's, no one's buying the lie. And, and secondly, because uh, they see every part of you, every moment of every day. They see the stuff you present and the stuff you don't want to present. It's just hard. So what is, what is, it, cost, what is it costing? And, and I, I have a hard question, and, and that is, you know, when I look at my parents' generation and my grandparents' generation, I do wonder whether we're the the least spiritually ripped generation and why that is. Why is it when it begins to cost us something we find it really difficult? Well, you know, serve every week, come to something all the time, give, give my money, open my home. What, you know, in, in other cultures and other generations, that wasn't such a difficult deal for people. Why is it difficult for us? And I could give 20 reasons. And, you know, we live in a comfort age, and it's really difficult. There's so many things coming to us. Everyone else is living differently, and we're not being persecuted. So you know that we don't have the benefit of persecution, if that's not a weird kind of, kind of thing. But you know, I, I kind of wonder whether we've ever really met Jesus. Because when you meet Jesus in such a way that you're captivated by the beauty and majesty and power of Jesus... When you meet Jesus in such a way that you can't do anything else but follow Jesus, then all the rest of the stuff just becomes frosting. And that, which is not me saying you shouldn't have good things and live in nice places and enjoy life and run after comfort because I'm so tempted always to run after comfort as in the same way that I'm tempted to, to please the church and to please people. I'm tempted with all these things. But when you meet Jesus, 
in the beauty and power and majesty of who Jesus is and when you realize that he is actually Lord of all things, when you understand that he's the lion of the tribe of Judah who has all power, when you see him as the lamb of God who's taken his power and he sacrificed it for the sins of the world, when you understand that there is coming a day when Jesus will be all there is and the kingdom of God will be all there is, he becomes all of it. He becomes everything. He becomes the motive and the ambition and the dream. And whether you have to sell this or buy this or go to this place or give up this or invite these people or become part of that, they all become secondary questions to the primary question, which is, have you met Jesus? Have you met Jesus? And while this sounds totally ridiculous when I preach it, and some of you are thinking the guy's gone and lost it. He moved to the country and he totally lost it. If you meet Jesus, you understand it. Because nothing else is important, is as important as Jesus. And then you get grace. And then you get freedom. And then you get security. And then you get life. And then you don't live any longer for the structures or the religion or what they think you should do, and then you live no longer for the people or for you, and what you think you should do, you start living for Jesus, and everything gets changed. Have you met Jesus? Are you encountering the glory of Jesus? Final question. What is the fruit, Carl, of your life encountering Jesus? What's the fruit of your life encountering Jesus? I love this. Verse 22. Let's just go, go there for, for, for a moment. Um, verse 21. Let's read from there. Later I went to Syria and Cilicia, which remember was home. I was personally unknown to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only heard the report. The man who formerly persecuted us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they praise God because of us. So, so Paul says... These churches, they didn't know me at all. They didn't know me from Adam, but they'd heard this story. I've not been there. I have no influence. I'm not a leadership in these places. But they heard this story about this guy who was persecuting Jesus, who got in an encounter with Jesus Christ, and it changed everything. It changed everything to the point when it was like a 360 turn. The one who was persecuting is now preaching. And they started to glorify God because of the fruit of my story. Carl, what's, what's the fruit of your story of freedom? What's, what's the fruit of your grace? What's the fruit of your encounter with Jesus? You see, slaves bear fruit. Slaves bear fruit. Slaves bear fruit. That their fruit looks like competition and jealousy. My fruit sometimes looks like judgment and opinion and not counsel and grace. Their, 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 their fruit looks like my rights, my life, my house, my family. That's, that's what the fruit looks like of, of slavery. But the fruit of freedom is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness 
and self-control is the fruit of the Spirit of Jesus. It looks like I live for an audience of one and his approval, and his approval is already given to me. He loves me because he loves me because he loves me. It looks like absolute security to be bold and courageous and do the things that God is saying to me and go to the places that God is calling me to and to sacrifice the stuff that God is asking me to because I don't have to hold on to anything anymore because I'm a son, not a slave. I'm a son, and I'm not a slave, and I have freedom. Paul says, I'm not trying to please anybody. I'm trying to please God. And when I please God, I get freedom and I get grace. Which, which I know all sounds like a really hard message. I'm sorry if it landed clunky in places. But you know, the wonderful thing about grace is the way to encounter Jesus is very simple. You just ask him. And he is here. He's here. Not only do the scriptures tell us that he's here when two or three are gathered in his presence, he's here, but we know he's here. Our experience tells us when the word is opened up, God speaks. When the people gather, God is present. He's here. And he wants to encounter you. Maybe in a way that you've never encountered him before. Maybe he wants to reveal his glory and his power and his beauty and his majesty in a way that would compel you to say, I'm all in for Jesus. I'm not living any longer for the approval of myself or my mates or the approval of the institution or what everyone else thinks I should do. I'm living for the approval of Jesus. I don't want to bear fruit that comes from this position or this position. I want to bear the fruit of Jesus Christ. I don't want to live my life with this incredible limp, with this incredible stuff I drag around with me because I can't deal with my stuff and my sin and my, my insecurities and all those kind of things. I want the Holy Spirit of Jesus to take a scalpel to my life because you encountered Jesus. I'm going to stop getting excited and I'm going to pray. Why don't we stand? So uh, I don't want to make it any weird or, or, or overly mystical, but an encounter with Jesus is a gift of God, um, and a gift is received by opening your hands. So if you want to encounter Jesus in a fresh way today, maybe you need that. I just sense some of you are really tired from striving and driving. The way in was grace, but the way on became law, became rule. You, you started to live for the approval of the institution or for the approval of yourself and it's totally killing you and it's totally killing people around you and God says I'm coming to encounter you right now to fill you with grace and to give you freedom so Holy Spirit of Jesus would you come thank you Jesus just come and your job is to just let him come because you can grieve him you can Resist him. Just let him come. We're just going to wait. Come, Holy Spirit.
Come, Holy Spirit, do the thing that you do best. Reveal Jesus. Reveal Jesus. Some of you just need to um, ask the Lord to take a scalpel to some stuff. Some of you will know what that stuff is. In fact, there are a number of you who know exactly what that stuff is and you've resisted because you're scared. But he's a gentle and skillful surgeon. Some of you don't know what that stuff is and you just want to say, God, come on. Ask, ask him now. Just ask him now. Jesus. Jesus. We're just going to stay in this place. We're going to worship Jesus. You don't have to move. Unless you're the band, then you have to move. We're just going to worship Jesus. And if... If you would really appreciate someone praying for you because you know either that you've never encountered Jesus before, you've ne- you know, you've been coming to church for a while, maybe done an alpha course, maybe you've thought about Jesus, but you have never experienced Jesus before, we'd love to introduce you to Jesus. Now, our prayer team over to my right and to your left is equipped and skilled in helping you encounter Jesus. I want to pray for you and ask him to come. Or, or maybe even more appropriate for some of you, you have encountered Jesus, but you stopped encountering Jesus. You know, you got saved and you thought that was it, I'm gonna drift, got my get out of hell free card, I'm going. But actually, he wants to do a work in you right now, he wants to transform you, he wants to lead you on, he wants to give you a new vision. He wants you to look more like him, he wants you to bless people in more of a Jesus way, he wants the fruit of Jesus to pour out of you, and, and you need it a regular encounter with Jesus and you know it's got stale maybe you just appreciate someone praying for you for that so our team's to my right and to your left and we're just going to worship Jesus let's go for it